Church of African and Hamburger, welcome to church. It's lovely to see you. Um, before we get into the heart of what we're going to share, I want to just tell you what's coming up next. And we're starting a new series next Sunday morning, which we've entitled Family Matters. And what your experience of family has been, I suspect some of you, it would have been a great experience of family. For others, it may have been messy. Right now, it might be going really well. It might be full of all sorts of challenges. And that's whether you're married, whether you're single, whether you're bringing up children, whether you're looking up parents. We believe in this church that family matters. So starting this series next Sunday morning, we're going to be thinking about how we parent well, how we can do marriage well, how we can do single life well. Um, And so we'd love you to join us. And if you know anybody that's in the family, invite them to come with you. Invite them to come with you. Family matters. So that kicks off next Sunday morning. Just over a year ago, um, Bethan and I and our kids, we were out on, on holiday in Sicily. Um, great holiday. We, we didn't bump into the mafia, which was a blessing. Um, but what, one of the days that towards the end of our holiday, we were, we were looking out and a plane flew out towards the sea and then about a minute later came back in again, then went up into the hills and 10 minutes later came back again. And there were three planes doing this over and over and over again. And when it started, we thought, okay, whatever. But because it kept going on hour after hour, we started to get more curious. And we noticed that the planes were yellow and red, and they had on them that they were part of the Spanish or the Italian fire service. And then we looked a little bit more closely. And what was happening, these planes were flying out to the sea. They They were literally kind of skimming the, the top of the, the sea in order to pick up water. And then they were flying out to the mountains to dump that water on forest fires. And then we could see that at night as we looked up into the hills. You could see these red glowing bits up in the hills where these planes were trying to help dump water on the forest fires. And, and very simply, that's what fire does, doesn't it? It spreads. That, that's what it does. It's very natural for fire to spread. Now, we see a bit of that in the United Kingdom. I looked up the stats. Last year, there were somewhere around about 30,000 wildfires in the United Kingdom. Small, most of them, but 30,000. That's a lot. But if you've been following the news, you'll know that, for example, in the Amazon in Brazil right now, it, it, it's a blaze or has been recently. Places like California often have these big, wild, raging fires. And I didn't, I didn't know this before a couple of days ago. Wildfires can, can spread at a rate of 15 to 20 miles per hour in the right conditions. You, you can't outrun one. Even Usain Bolt would struggle. Yeah, these, these, are, these, are, these are fast. Fire spreads. It is natural for fire to spread. Why do I share that? I share that because over the past four weeks, we've been running through a series entitled Fire Starters. And just a brief kind of recap, we've been remembering that one of the ways that God is described in the Bible is as a fire. He he leads the people of Israel as a column of fire. 
well. We remember the story of two disciples who met the risen Jesus. And when Jesus had left them, they said, were not our hearts burning within us? Paul writes in one of his letters, be ablaze by the Holy Spirit. This is the language of fire. It is natural for a Christian to be on fire. If you've said yes to Jesus, you're supposed to be on fire with a passion for Jesus and his kingdom. It's the normal state. And we've seen the way that that fire is caught and sustained in the presence of God. And so let me just echo again what Cannington and Kenya shared. The worship night this evening is a wonderful opportunity to come and catch some more fire. Because fire breeds fire. And so for our lives to be alight and ablaze, we need to hang around the fire of God's presence. And a worship night is an excellent place to do that. If you're not yet a follower of Jesus Christ, you're, you're incredibly welcome here today. I'm delighted that you've joined us. Um, I believe that Jesus is inviting you into a life that is full of passion and is ablaze. And so I hope that as I share some things this morning, you hear something of the life that Jesus is holding out for you. What I want to do this morning is help us to think about how fire spreads. How fire spreads. How the kind of passion that we might have in our lives for Jesus can actually impact the communities and the people around us. So if you have a Bible, could you turn to Acts chapter 1? You've got a paper one, it's about that far through. You've got a tablet or a phone, dial up the book of Acts chapter 1. The words will come up on the screen in a moment. But let me set this into context for us. Jesus has lived the most extraordinary life. He's died on the cross, buried, but three days later he rises to glorious new resurrected life. And he then spends the next 40 days with his disciples, talking with them. And what we're going to look at today is the last recorded words of Jesus before he ascended into heaven. And so these, you know, I don't know what you think you'd like your last words to be on this earth. You'd probably want them to be highly profound. The chances are they won't be. I I looked around at the way some famous people have ended their lives and none of them were full of inspiration. Steve Jobs, the founder of Apple, his last words were, oh wow, oh wow, oh wow. Bro, is that it? Jesus' words, last recorded words, are full of hope and life. So we're going to read from verse 1 of Acts chapter 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. We're just going to pause there. Acts was written by Luke, the same guy who wrote the Gospel of Luke. So when in this verse he says, in my former book, what he is saying is, in the Gospel that I wrote. So Luke, like other Gospels, has this incredible account of the life of Jesus. For the first 30 years, very little written. Very little. And then Jesus turns up, he is baptized by John the Baptist, he is filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit, and then, bang! Everything changes. He heals the sick, he frees people from demonic oppression, he raises the dead, he walks on water, 
just an amazing life. But what Luke is telling us in Acts chapter 1 is that it is just the beginning. In my former book, in the Gospel of Luke, I wrote about what Jesus began to do and to teach. Just the beginning. So what was the plan for it continuing? You. And me. The plan, God's plan, was that what Jesus started would continue through ordinary people like you and me. Through his church. That is why we need the fire of the Holy Spirit. Because we've been instructed to continue what Jesus started. Verse 3. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Let's pause again. You know, here is the thing that makes Christianity utterly unique. The founder of Christianity is still alive. You can say that in your heart or out loud. The founder of Christianity is still alive. You see, if Jesus were dead, we'd be starting fires for a dead person. And that would be perpetuating a funeral. But Jesus is alive. And his fire brings life, not death. Reading on, verse 4. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized you with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, if you're someone who's read the Bible and you've read Luke's Gospel, this may well carry for you an echo because Luke has written it before. Luke chapter 3 and verse 16. Again, if you... Chapter 3 and 16 of a number of the Bible books are quite, you know, they're quite classic verses. This is another one. Luke chapter 3 and verse 16. What you find there is that John, John the Baptist, answered them. There was a crowd gathering. He answered them, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come. The straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Reference to two kinds of baptism. Water baptism is so incredibly important if you've given your life to Jesus. It is a significant moment in your life. And for us as a church, it was just, you know, just an incredible celebration last Sunday evening. We baptized eight people as part of the evening service. And it was just a fabulous evening. But Jesus also baptizes us with fire, with the Holy Spirit. And we unpacked last Sunday evening, and you can go and get the talk off the website, we unpacked the, back, the, the theology of what it means to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You know, what do we mean, or what do some churches mean by a second experience? Is there one? Do we need one? The bottom line that we came to, we need more. We just need to be go on filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to keep receiving fire. And Jesus, in these verses we've just read, tells us how that can happen. 
It happens through waiting. He says, wait until you receive. Now, waiting in the Bible is not passive. It's not a sort of lounging around hoping that something will happen. Waiting in the Bible is an active thing. It is an asking, it's an inquiring, it's a pressing into, it's a leaning into. It might, for instance, mean for you today, turn off the television at quarter to six, jump in your car, get your legs out, come to the worship night, because it's in places like that that we receive. We come into a place where we wait in God's presence because fire breeds fire. You want your life to be more ablaze, hang around in God's presence. Let's read on verse 6 of Acts chapter 1. So when they met together, they asked him, this is Jesus' disciples, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? So Jesus has spoke to them about this, this hundreds of years old prophecy that the promised Holy Spirit is coming, that the, the future breaking into the present. And the best question that the disciples can come up with is, so Jesus, is now the time when you're going to kick these pesky Romans out of Israel? Israel was under Roman occupation, and that was the best. And I'm not dissing the disciples here because I think actually we do it all the time. And I think there's a whole lot of faith farming in heaven because I think there are times where Jesus turns around to his father when we just don't get stuff and he goes, I can't believe they haven't got it yet. I, I can't believe. But this is what the disciples were that they just couldn't get what Jesus was saying to them, they just didn't get it. So Jesus goes on, verse 7. Jesus said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. Last words. These are good last words. These are good last words. Jesus says, receive the Holy Spirit. Why? Well, he tells us why. It's not just to make our lives more fun. It's not to have more bars in Christian gatherings. We receive the Holy Spirit so that we can be a witness. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of mission. He loves spreading news about Jesus. He can't help himself. So in fire language, Jesus is saying, receive fire so that you can spread fire. Receive fire so that you can spread fire. You see, fire spreads. Think back to that picture of a forest fire. That's what fires do. They spread. It is natural for fire to spread. And so the fire that God wants to put in us by His Holy Spirit wants to spread. If we try to contain it, it's like if you put fire under a bucket, the fire is not happy. I don't think the Holy Spirit is happy when we try and contain this fire. The fire wants to spread. And as it does, 
we will actually find that the fire goes deeper into our own lives. That has been my personal experience. Over the past four or five years, I have had more opportunities to share the gospel with people one-to-one and to lead people to faith than I have done in the previous 45 years of my life. Two weeks ago, led a young guy to the Lord, just in one of our Sunday gatherings. My faith is more alive now than it has ever been. Because if we will spread fire, we will find that the fire actually goes deeper into our own lives. Fire breeds fire. What I want to do is share two responses that I think are good to make. Two responses that we can make. The first is a response to multiply in order to impact communities. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, Jesus tells his disciples that the good news is going to ripple out. And he says that he's going to start firstly in Jerusalem. In other words, the place where they were at that moment. And then it would go to Judea and Samaria. Those are the two neighboring provinces. And then it would go to the ends of the earth. And that is actually what you see happening through the story of Acts. So broadly speaking, Acts chapter 1 through 7 is around Jerusalem. Acts chapter 8 through 12 is the spread into Judea and Samaria. And Acts chapter 13 and onwards is towards the end of the earth. You see this rippling out of the fire. And it primarily happens through the establishing of new church communities in new places. In other words, they planted churches. They established new communities of faith, they supported them, they encouraged them, those those communities grew, became healthy, and planted more churches. Now, some of you will know this, others of you may not, the vineyard, which is our part of the body of Christ, the vineyard is a church planting movement. And so I want to show you a short video today, which is from Vineyard Churches UK and Ireland, about church planting and the heart that God has put into us to multiply and impact communities. So, technology willing, take a look. Great story. Great story. Many of us here would not be here today if Jeff and Lulu hadn't said yes to planting this church. There are many of you here today that have come to faith or that have reconnected with church through what they started. Now for us in this church, we've, we've had the honor of planting a dozen or so churches over the last 30 years. Not done so recently, but it's still part of our DNA. We have both continued to support church planting through, for example, the, the, the role that Bethan and I have with the churches in, in London. But for those of you who might have seen some of those stories there and you're just intrigued, then can I just invite you to pick up this brochure? They're on a table at the back. It's entitled Church Mountain. It does what it says on the screen. Um, this will tell you the roadmap within the churches of how you can explore this, um, the training that's available, and the conversations to have. Um, so I would encourage you. If you if we haven't got a camera trained on that table. You can do it in mind. Get one in your pocket. 
We have, though, shared recently over the last year or so about becoming a multi-site church, one church, many places. And you'll know if you've been around the way that we have been intentionally and specifically praying for and getting out on the street to a number of communities around here, um, primarily Staines and Egham, um, Slough, and, and Waybridge are the ones that are highest on our radar. Uh, we've shared this, that our plan is to launch a new site from this church in September 2020, um, and we're going to be making a big announcement about this in the middle of January. Um, I think the date is the 19th of January, so please save the date if you're part of our church. We would love to share that news with you. So as I've shared just a little bit briefly about church planting and multi-site church, there may be things that are stirring in your heart. And you might be thinking, well, that was last night's curry. You might be thinking, it might be a response of fear. It might be just like that trepidation and excitement. It might be you just don't know, but you know that something is stirring. If that is the case for you, could I just encourage you, come and speak to myself or one of the other pastoral staff, um, ping me a message, um, but just start a journey of exploring what Jesus wants to do in your life. That's just one of the ways, but there are lots of other ways that we're just committed as a church to multiplying ourselves and to impacting the communities around us. One of the things that's particularly exciting me right now, there's an acceleration in our storehouse compassion ministry. It is so exciting to see the way that local schools and businesses and individuals are getting caught by this whole thing of compassion and caring for those in need in our community. And so Rob and Hannah are going to be sharing more about that on the 3rd of November. Again, please join us for that. It's going to be a great Sunday. What do you see in, the, in, this, in this Acts chapter 1 verse 8 is the way, as I've said, that the gospel ripples out. And it starts locally. So the big question for most of us is, what is your Jerusalem? In other words, what, what is the place where you hang out? For most of us, it's going to be our neighborhood. It's going to be the place that we go to work, the place that we study, the shops that we go to. For most of us, we're unlikely to go to the ends of the earth very often. Most of us, our impact is going to be local. So what's your Jerusalem? There is then a national impact. It ripples out for us. Our national family is the Vineyard Churches in the United Kingdom and Ireland. And we are investing through that to continue to plant churches across our nation. The other thing that we've shared before is about the National Vineyard Youth Festival, which is called DPI, or Dreaming the Impossible. Up until this year, it's been running in May. But many of you all know that as Soul Survivor comes to an end, it is passing on the baton, and, and part of that baton is being passed on to DPI. What that means is that for us, as part of the Vineyard family of churches, we have an incredible opportunity to serve the youth of our nation, to see fires spread amongst young people in our nation. And so one of the ways that we can practically be a part of that is to serve as part of the team. There are going to be three to 5,000 young people on site for DPI. And I don't know all the jobs that entail, but there's going to be a lot of stewarding, ushering, first aiding, lots of teams. There's bound to be a tent peg ministry. There's going to be all sorts of things that are involved. And there are opportunities for people like you and me to be involved. 
if you want to explore that or you want to sign up, apparently applications are going quick. So we need to get in quick if you want to do this. What you need to do is go to the DPI webpage. I think the details are up on the screen. There's a big button that says book now. That enables you not only to book young people on to go to DPI, but it's the place that you can apply to be part of the team. So I would encourage you to seriously consider that and be a part of how we can serve nationally. So locally, nationally, and then internationally, I love some of the partnerships that we have through our church here into different places around the world. So we have an active partnership with the Vineyard Churches in Nigeria, with the Vineyard Churches in Kenya, in France, and then in Bulgaria as well. And then to let you know that NASCO, who leads that Bulgarian partnership together with Sunday Martins in our church, they are visiting the Bulgarian churches in two weeks' time, two weekends' time. So if you could remember that in your prayers, that would be fabulous. Now, all of those things that I've spoken about, plus many, many other things that we were able to do, the way that we serve children and youth, put the lights on, brew coffee, serve donuts, all of those kind of things, all of that stuff has a financial cost. And so I want to take a moment just this morning to, to give a huge thank you to everyone that's a part of our church who partners through regular and generous giving. If you're a part of our church and not yet giving regularly, then could I just encourage you this morning, we've put these leaflets out just today, that they're called Generous Giving, What Does the Bible Say About Money? They're around on the chairs, I want to invite you to grab one if you're not yet involved in financial giving in the church. It's really important, I know that giving is very emotive, very personal, but I believe it's core to discipleship. And we need to approach our giving biblically, prayerfully and filled with faith. And this brochure will help you to approach giving in that way. It also has details of standing orders, how to set those up, and giving under good faith. So please grab one of those. It is an incredibly important part of our discipleship and a way that we can invest ourselves in multiplying and impacting communities. So that's the first thing. The second response, very briefly, that I want to encourage us to make this morning, is to live personally as fire starters. To live personally in ways that would spread fire. If you said yes to Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. Probably like me, you know you need more, but you have been given the Holy Spirit. What that means is that Jesus has started a fire in your heart. And so you have what you need to start and spread fire. You have that because the Holy Spirit is in you. You see, Jesus is really clear. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, you will receive power and you will be my witnesses. Jesus is really clear. You see, it is natural to start and spread fire. Think back to you know, the forest fire example. It is natural to start and spread fire. It's actually far harder work to try and contain the fire that God has put in your heart. You just, if it was easy to contain fire, wildfires wouldn't happen. But because it's hard, it's difficult to contain. You see, let me give you an example. Many Christians go to work on a Monday 
working hard not to blow their cover as a Christian. I was one of those people. Anyone else? Don't look at me now. But I know from the nervousness in the room, many Christians go into their places of work, places of study, trying hard not to blow their cover. And so the conversation in the head goes something like this. I'd better not ask my colleagues what they did on Sunday in case they ask me back. And if they do ask me back, I'm either going to have to tell them that I went to church or I'm going to have to lie. And I don't want to lie and I don't want to blow my cover so I'm not going to have the conversation. Now, I'm sure none of you ever have that narrative running through your head. It's just in case you meet someone who does. Hard work living like that. Hard work living a segregated life. Do you want an easier life? Anyone want an easier life? I want an easier life. And the easier way to live life is to commit to being a witness. To commit to being a fire starter in any and every environment you can go into. Just be who God has empowered you to be. See, as we head towards Christmas, and Christmas is not very far away, there are some great opportunities to start some fire. So, for example, our carol services, I think, are only about seven weeks away. There are great opportunities to invite people and to start a little fire in somebody else's life. See, I believe this is for everyone, every day, everywhere. And it only takes one little spark to start a fire. You know, most wildfires start with either something thrown out of a car or a little spark. That's all it takes to start a fire, just one little fire. So, this morning, if you feel like a little fire, would you dream about what Jesus can do through you in your community and in the world that you live in? It's just 